Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, we have a very interesting topic. We're going to talk about social media. And for those of you who are probably in my shoes, the more you can understand why kids are on it, why we as adults spend so much time on it, probably the better. So that way we can maybe fix our habits a little bit. Uh, today, our special guest is Jack Bruskern, and he is a U.S. presidential scholar, speaker, author uh, on a mission to lead his generation towards digital balance and to help parents guide their kids towards balance. He founded uh, Detach in 2017 after waking up to his own digital dependency. Since then, he has met with dozens of professionals across the United States, given talks to thousands of kids, hundreds of adults, and launched a parent course and written a book, Acquired Connection, and that can be found uh, on his website, detachnow.com. You know, you mentioned your own digital dependency. I'm sure that had uh, a major impact as to why you wanted to educate on social media, but it probably just wasn't your dependency. You probably saw a lot of that with your friends and those in high school and other kids, right? Yes, yes, that's right. Uh, for me, I had I had a huge wake up moment my sophomore year. I was driving to school, uh, just just a regular old day, listening to an old favorite song, and all of a sudden, had this huge realization of how how my my past use of digital tech had been negatively impacting me, and specifically how little sleep I'd been getting because of how much time I'd been online, um, and you know my, I hadn't been spending nearly as much time with friends are doing the things I'd love, uh, really just glued to my screen, a slave to my screen in many ways. Uh, and, and it scared me cause I didn't, you know, I didn't think that I was the type of kid, you know, who you'd get wrapped up in something as crazy as, as this. Uh, so I really wanted to wrestle with the question of what is digital balance for kids, um, for, for me. And then, and then I quickly realized, you know, this isn't just me, this is other kids as well. So what is digital balance for our generation? Yeah, I think what's interesting is it's amazing how that can kind of sneak up on you. I mean, that's never anybody's intent to spend, you know, I think I read in your book, you know, seven plus hours a day, uh, teens are on screen time of one sort of another. And so it, it mm-hmm. sne- sneaks up on you. And then the Lord kind of slaps you and says, hey, uh, hey, Jack, uh, you need to be spending more time with real people. And so it's interesting, you start off the book, uh, in, the, in course, close to the beginning, with a lot of quotes from kids. And it sound, it, just from what you went through or the quotes that you gathered, it didn't seem like anybody was shy to talk about this. Is that what your experience was? Uh, yes, yes, for the most part. I think this topic is really on a lot of, a lot of kids' minds and a lot of parents' minds. And, and it's, it's one that many have strong feelings about one way or the other, even though, even if many are uncertain at the same time. And I think that kids, kids generally see tech as an ally, as a good thing, you know, first and foremost. Uh, And that is, that is mainly because it is so intertwined and so seen as so important to their identity uh, because of how, how tied in social media is to relationships, to friendships, to social structures, um, and then, and then also just for the, for the many obvious upsides to tech and kids are often defending tech from parents or teachers or whatever it is, um, so that they can be on it for a longer time. And 
I, I don't think that's necessarily always bad. I think there are good sides of tech. Tech is not all bad, but, but um, uh, kids much more often take the side of, oh, tech, tech is great. Uh, but but then but then of course I agree. Uh, kids also I think are uh, recognize many of the downsides more often than I think adults would think. Uh, and and just getting getting that conversation going will, uh, usually opens that up and, and allows you know allows allows them to see that more allows allows us to talk about that more. Well, you know there was a great quote you put towards the end of the book, and uh, I think it, it it's kind of sums it all up. Technology is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And I think, you know, there is good and bad to it. And, you know, from the quotes, like I'm just going to read a couple of them. So there was an 11th grader. She's a girl. Uh, I think that while social media is one of the greatest tools of our generation and has kept in touch and help us keep in touch and communicate, I also think it's one of the worst. And then there was a 10th grade boy. I think the worst part is how tech affects relationships. So you're not the only one, I think, to have the epiphany. And there are many more quotes in the book, so you know, I think it's good that you put those in there. But other people and other kids your age and younger than you now realize, I need to have a good balance of this. And you did a good job in the book of talking about the pros and the cons. It's just not all this is terrible, but if you misuse it or use it too much, it can lead to things that you'd rather not, right? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, and the, I mean, it's, it's a hard thing to balance. It's a difficult thing to balance. I've been, I've been working on this question myself and working on things myself for a while. And I still don't think I'm all the way there. Um, but yes, the, the upsides and the tool sides of tech are, are so strong and great and powerful, not just on a rational scale, but on an emotional side. Um, and, and the, and the negatives are also so powerful. It's, you know, it's easier said than done. Well, uh, you know, so to help out dinosaurs like myself. So what are the different types of social media that not only are available, especially to kids, but what are the ones the kids tend to flock to the most? Yes. Yes. There are definitely a handful. Um, Snapchat is huge. Snapchat is primarily, it's kind of like texting for kids, what it's often called. Uh, it's it's very like texting, but with you know with pictures, pictures and whatnot. It's how how most teens communicate. Instagram is a little bit more like Facebook, where people post pictures and like them. There's stories, um, and and that's that's also extremely popular. TikTok is is a little bit more of an entertainment social media platform. Uh, not quite as much social interaction per se, a little bit more geared toward entertainment. Uh, those are probably the big thing right now, though, on the social media side. Because the old dinosaurs like myself, and I don't have uh, an account, but like Facebook has kind of now become like an old people's thing, right? So kids don't want to do and have any part of that, right? Well, yes. I, I mean, that is that is kind of the, the youth, uh, youth perspective right now. Yeah, well, <laughs> truth hurts. Uh, but I, I mean... Mercifully, I don't have an account, but I, I know people who spend way too much time telling way too much about themselves on that. And, you know, to, to that point, um, people really do, you know, whether they're realized or not, put out a lot of personal information, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and not only that, um, it, it's recently become much more uh, 
much more well known in the, in the public sector how much uh, how much information tech companies are gathering of, um, for of each user, and and coming to understand each user and and making predictions of what they're going to do next and what will work on them and and how to make more money off them and and how to use them uh, or or feed them certain posts or information that will keep them on longer, and that is that's scary as that's. Scary. Getting, getting more and more powerful. What, what is the peer pressure that kids feel to be on social media? Not only be on it, but like be able to respond within you know the snap of a finger. Mm-hmm. Yes, the uh, the peer pressure the peer pressure is extremely complicated, and that complication makes it even stronger. I think uh, that that um, part of it is a fear of missing out. You know. Uh, a, a friend might might ask, "Hey, do you want to do something right now?" Uh, friends or, or a person doesn't see it till half an hour later, hour later, they they miss out on that, um, or or even just the fear of, you know, if someone if someone shoots me a text or shoots me a snap or whatever it is, and I don't get back to them right away, uh, they might I might worry or they might think that uh, I don't. I don't pay or I don't really care about them or care about this friendship, but really, you know, I was just at a soccer practice or something like that. Uh, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity here that face-to-face interaction uh, does not have or, or has much less of. Right. Uh, and, and that fear and complexity just leans kids to play a little bit more safe, which has led to more of a social contract that people need to be on all the time. Uh, just because because it's grown stronger and stronger, uh, and, and in many ways that that is a negative. Well, and you know, reaching out to people and connecting people is a good thing, right? We we live, you know, people mm-hmm. live far away. You can get you know to some, you can text somebody, you know, across the country, across the, you know, across the world, and they can respond to you shortly. So that part's not a bad thing. But you mentioned in the book, you know, that there are issues, whether it's frustration, distress, loneliness. You mentioned even lack of sleep for yourself. How big a factor are these issues and how are they affecting kids uh, with their work at school and with their real life relationships, not the ones on social media? Mm-hmm. Yes, um, I, I, I totally agree with, with what you said. You know, it's hard to separate the tools from the negatives. Um, but but I think I think the negatives. Uh, you know the negative impacts of tech are real, and they are worth paying attention to, and and really affecting kids in very sad ways. And I and I I I generally think about these negative effects in in three three primarily three primary areas. Uh-huh. The first is relationships, uh, and yes, there's there's good sides to relationships. You know, maybe being able to talk to friends who are out of state more, or uh, coordinating plans, whatnot. Uh, but so. So many critical aspects and, and so many of the most special parts of relationships, just spending time with friends, you know, making, uh, going to do fun things with friends, uh, meeting people, talking to people, getting to know um, each other. Those things are cheapened massively uh, if they are, if they are brought onto, on, you know, primarily between screens. Um, there's just so much, so much less connection uh, and, and more shallow relationships um, because of that. And I, and I think, and, and social media plays such a strong role, not just a role, but such a strong role, sometimes a primary role in so many of our relationships these days. And that's become more the default. I think it's wearing on kids true deep relationships. 
And then the, the other two I'll touch on briefly is, is kids' mental health. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I don't believe it is, you know, the sole reason, uh, necessarily for, for all mental health issues. That would, that would be a, a ridiculous claim. But I do think that, um, excessive use of, of the digital world does, um, lead to or make it more likely for a person to, to struggle with mental health, especially due to compare and despair on social medias, the, the social competition from, from these, uh, from, from social media and, and the shallow connection that it, that yields that, that is not deep and authentic. And just the, the generally less time spent uh, doing purposeful things, things that, that are very meaningful or authentic, spending authentic time with others. Uh, and I guess that, all, that brings me to the third area that I think it's, is hurting kids most strongly, uh, which is uh, just less, less time really living purposefully uh, and, and being able, being free to live, uh, live a, an upright, upright life. Um, and, and just, I guess that embodies a few different things. For one, um, when we're, when we're constantly online, constantly texting or sharing or, uh, or, or seeing what's going on social media, we're constantly on this emotional roller coaster. Uh, and we're constantly getting these little sound bites. And this puts us in a bit of a reactionary state. Uh, we're not, we're not acting and moving towards something more, we're more reacting, uh, and, and, and that can, that can be, that can be pretty, pretty negative and steer us in, in directions we don't want to, want to go. Um, I, I think also just, uh, many of the things kids post on social media, you know, we'll post, we'll post the, the best parts of our lives, right? Uh, maybe, maybe we're at a concert, maybe we're, we're with friends. Uh, too often those, those events, those things are becoming dominated by capturing those experiences, you know, taking, 50,000 photos or videos or whatnot, or being constantly worried about how we look for, for, you know, the picture or whatever it is, you know, we're, we're missing out on these amazing moments. Uh, and, and so I think, I think we need to take these negatives into account as we, as we try to figure out what digital balance really looks like for kids today. Well, and it's not really a reality if you're just taking the very best pictures of your life. I mean, that's a small snapshot of a 24-hour day if you are you know got 30 seconds that you can promote that things look really great. The other thing, uh, you know, there are predators online, right? There's, you know, young people are sexting. or Yeah, I think that's, that's how you pronounce it now. Uh, and then also you have cyberbullying, right? So there are some some major things going on there that that could really destroy a life. Yes. Yes. Those are negatives as well. I think sexting is much more common than, than I think parents would think. <laughs> Sadly, it's, it's really awful. And can you explain what um, that is to people like, like me who, you know, had to read about it to figure out what it was? Yes. Yes. So sexting uh, most commonly is done on something like Snapchat where the pictures seem to disappear at least. Uh, and, and it's when, when someone takes a picture of themselves, um, that is, uh, you know, nude or, or, or they're naked, something like that. Right. Uh, and, and may, maybe they'd send it back and forth, uh, thinking that may, that they'll disappear. You know, often they don't because there's different apps or things to, to catch these pictures and whatnot secretly. But, uh, that's, that, that is sexting. So what... You know, what do parents need to know? I think you, you do a good job talking about it in the book, but if there's a message you're trying to, to deliver to parents who, who read this book, what is that message and how can they better understand 
their their kids, their teens, uh, you know, those living with them? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I think I think there are a couple things. Uh, the most important, uh, probably though, is is just um, understanding who we kids need uh, to to help us to. Um, to help us to, to live a life of digital balance. And, and that, that, that is that we need a person who we can talk to and will really help us out in the ways that we need someone who, who will listen to us and who we can come to, to talk to and who, who will talk to us and, um, about, about our tech use and, you know, conversation easier, easier said than done. Um, but, but I think there's a couple of keys to this conversation, establishing conversation with kids um, and, and getting that and getting this conversation going in a positive direction. Uh, and, and I think one, one really interesting element that, that comes, that, that allows these, conf- uh, these conversations to be more constructive is for adults first and then kids as well to understand their different strengths, uh, coming to this conversation. So for example, parents have many strengths that kids don't have. Parents have lived a much longer time. Uh, they've grown out without grown up without digital technology. They have that perspective. They have an outside perspective on kids today and on on their kids, uh, and and an outside perspective on on their tech use in many ways. And then kids have a very different set of strengths. They have the set of strengths of understanding what it's like to grow up uh, in in a generation that is uh, that is very very uh, very often online. And, and our social structure is built into the online in many ways. Uh, and, and kids often understand what it's like to be online and some of the pros and cons from the experience of it. Uh, these are very different strengths, but if parents and kids can, can kind of understand these strengths, that can, that can help bring this conversation into more, more of a dialogue. Uh, I think another really important aspect to make this conversation more of a conversation, less of a, you know, maybe an argument or, or not a conversation, um, is, is to ground the ground of variables, ground the, the time online into something that is, that is much more meaningful. So, for example, um, instead of fighting over or, or, or talking about or arguing over, you know, an hour online versus 20 minutes online or playing some game, um, grounding those, uh, grounding the time spent into something like um, uh, the the kids or the child's goals, uh, or, or what they enjoy doing, you know, does, does, is, does this make them happy or, you know, something, something more than time. Uh, and then this can, this can lead, you know, instead of separating the parent and the kid, uh, to, to arguing over, you know, these two numbers, it can grab them in a conversation to work toward the goal with the common why the common purpose of working towards something like, um, helping the kid, you know, have more fun with friends or have stronger relationships or, um, you know, enjoy what he's, what he's doing in, in an authentic way. I'm not sure. Um, or maybe there's a goal that they're working toward with sports or something else. And then, uh, together by, by working toward that thing together, uh, it, that can, that can allow for more of a dialogue. So instead of being adversaries, like, Hey, get off that thing, or I'm going to take your phone away from you, or I'm going to stop paying for it or, you know, threatening and all that stuff, which, you know, that's, you know, that's my fallback. Um, it really is, you know, how do you have a, a conversation where you see the other person's point of view and then you kind of have a meeting of the minds and come up with a mutual game plan 
and kind of work from there as opposed to starting off adversarial with threats of uh, all kind of things in term, and then just the kids tune you out and then all they hear is want, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, and, and it's, uh, there's, there's a really interesting, interesting thing about, about, about this specifically. When, when, um, when, when humans perceive some sort of threat <laughs> that is, that is, you know, uh, an important threat, uh, they, they, their guardrails go up, they go into fight or flight mode and, and their brain is just purely in an emotional, uh, emotional state. There's, there's no rationalizing or deep thinking or progress or real dialogue then. Um, and so, and so when, when, uh, when kids really feel threatened or freaked out, like, Oh shoot, my phone's going to get taken away. Or I really like, I'm, I'm playing a game. I really just want to keep playing. Um, like those are often not the times to have that conversation. Uh, even though, you know, it might, might, might seem like it would help in that moment to get them off. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe at that time, uh, like those, those are not the times to really try to have these deep, uh, reset conversations about, um, you know, about, about tech and grounding that into, into their lives and their goals and whatnot. Uh, you know, one of the other things you do uh, a good job in the book is to talking about the importance of silence. Now, for those who want to understand more about silence, there's a great book by Cardinal Sarah called The Power of Silence. But you talk about how important silence is to get away from, you know, the messaging and, and all the things that are going on to kind of reflect really and, you know, kind of let the Lord have his time as opposed to just always being yours, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Very much so. Uh, I think this, this has been really something that I have stuck to and kept talking about because of what an impact it was for me when I, when I took my first step back, uh, from technology and tried, tried to find balance myself before I had been spending <laughs> at, you know, almost 24 seven, you know, as much time as I possibly could either listening to music or, uh, or, or being on, on Instagram or Snapchat or gaming or something like that. And as soon as I just took a reset, like I, I ended up taking, taking all of Lent, Lent was coming up, all of Lent off of music and gaming and social media. I just, I just put it all away. And it was a really strange and kind of painful, frustrating first few days. But about a week into that time, I felt something that I, I had never rem- remembered feeling. It was, I, I felt like, like I was in a completely new state uh, and I was okay not doing anything, you know, not being, not having music on, not, not having that constant height of something coming at me, you know, consuming something. Uh, and I was able to just be and to think and I, it just felt so much better. And so since then, I've, I've had to very, uh, I've been very intentional about building times of silence in my life. Uh, and, uh, even if it's just taking car rides without music or not listening to music while doing homework or, um, or being okay, not, not being doing something 24 seven. Uh, I think that is, that was huge for me as a kid today. Uh, and, and it's, and the benefits of just the reflection and being able to act instead of constantly reacting. I just feel so much more free to, to live as, um, you know, to, to choose like, free to live as I ought to, instead of constantly just reacting and, and doing what I have to do next. 
yeah, to be tied to a device doesn't work that well. You know, and I don't know what it's like anymore, but I know when my kids were younger, I, I'd have parents say, well, I send my kids to Catholic school, so they're never going to have any problems. I mean, kids at Catholic school are just like kids in public school when it comes to social media, right? Yes. Uh, I mean, un- unfortunately so, yeah. uh, at, at least generally. I think uh, many many of the negatives of social media, um, you know, just, just the compare and despair, the competition, the, the shallow connection, um, I think many of these negatives are still, uh, you know, crossover, uh, less, less time with friends, whatnot. It's, it's a challenge for everyone. Well, that's what I think is so important when we, you know, when you bring this up so people get an idea about, you know, the issues that are going on. And and look, parents have this issue too, right? It's not all about kids. I mean, there are parents who, as we mentioned in the beginning, that bury their head in their phones and they're ignoring their kids. I mean, I don't know how many times, well, when you used to be able to go out to dinner, you'd go out to dinner and you'd see adults on your on their phone and they're like, Why'd you even go out to dinner? You're not even looking at the person across from you. So parents need to be aware of their tech time as well, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. This is this is actually huge when it comes to helping guide kids toward balance uh, in a few different ways. I, I, uh, I, I'm just thinking that back before before the pandemic hit. I was giving talks to a local a local kindergarten actually. Uh, and and the, I was talking to middle school. I talked to the kindergarten while I was there, kindergarten class. And I started talking about you know digital, you know their thoughts on tech and trying to just have this conversation with them. So I'm definitely not going to give some sort of lecture to kindergartners. That wouldn't work very well. But kids all of a sudden started raising their hands and talking, and sharing story after story after story about how they go home and their parents just don't talk to them. They're just online, or um, or, or their siblings. They just they just. Um, they don't want to play with them anymore because they, they just want to play their game all the time. And and it wasn't just one or two kids. It was like all of a sudden the kids just started like trying to tell their story. They just all started talking at once. And it was so sad. And and this was one of the moments when I realized how big of a problem this is. Uh, but but when I talk to kids and, and interview kids to get a better understanding of their perspective, uh, they, often, they, they often tell me this. Uh, and so I think that for parents, uh, it's it's it could be a huge, a huge positive here to read with a bit of vulnerability with kids maybe and say something like, look, you know what? I don't have this all figured out too. Uh, so maybe I can, I could talk to you about how, how we can do things better with, uh, with your phone, phone use. And you could tell me your thoughts, but then you can also tell me how, how you think I can do better. Right. And, and have, uh, make this more of a conversation together, together working toward the goal of digital balance 